Hello and welcome back to the Chainsaw Buffet podcast. Uh, happy to be joined this time by the uh, carnivore who has discarded woman her, uh, herself, Erin Fitzgerald. Erin, thank you so much for joining us. You're so welcome. Hello. Um, so, obviously, I, I made my uh, Persona 4 reference there for anyone who doesn't get why I just uh, why I just said there. But uh, tell, <laughs> us a, tell us a little bit about what, what you've been working on. Well, uh, there's a lot that I can't tell you that I'm <laughs> right. working on, um, and that's kind of crummy, but there are anime shows, so that's exciting for me. I don't have a tremendous amount of anime titles under my belt like some of the other uh, voice actors you probably meet at conventions, so I'm excited that um, anime seems to be coming more into my world, and I've got some pretty juicy characters coming up, so I'll be excited when I can talk about those. That's great. But this whole year has been seriously Persona 4 all the way. It started in January recording Persona 4 Arena, which is out today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. And um, I, then I, all the kind of like late spring, early summer, uh, I re-recorded Golden uh, because they had a lot of new content. And they, did, of course, Tracy wasn't going to do it. Um, so I did it. And then um, the anime series of Persona. That's kind of very exciting. And uh, hopefully people will like that too. I, I'm terribly excited because I was a big fan of the RPG when it came out back in the day. So, and, and I've uh, I'm notoriously uh, for anyone who listens to the podcast regularly a fighting game fan. I play competitively here and there, but uh, oh, not yeah. So when when they announced a Persona Four fighting game, I was like, hey, that's gonna be great. But uh, uh, that must be very nice having uh, sort of a steady diet of uh, checks coming in from the, all the different projects that they announced. It w it was a good year. It was a good year. Um, with video games and anime, I don't get residuals or anything like that, right. so it's not like you know an ongoing thing. But it definitely, um, I would have to say, Persona supported me the most this year. <laughs> <laughs> so the second half of the year, I'm a little, what are we gonna do now? So we're waiting to see what happens for the rest of 2012 for myself. I'm pretty open. <laughs> well, if I, if there's a any talent agencies or anything like that listening, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everything comes in ebbs and flows, I find. I find that I go through busy periods and then I go through <laughs> lulls and then busy periods and lulls. I think it's part of life. And I appreciate the lulls because it gives me a time to grow in other areas. Right. And unfortunately, you know, it also, while you're growing, you're not necessarily getting paid. But, you know. No, well, no, not necessarily. But then... It balances out. Somehow, I'm always taken care of. Um, I manage – the universe just supports what I'm doing. So, I, you know, the bills get paid. And that's a that's amazing thing to do when I, it, all I do is voiceover. That's a – you know, that was a major accomplishment in itself to be able to support myself just doing voiceover. Um, so that that's a big deal to me. Yeah. Now, uh, besides Persona, there's a couple of other shows that you've been working on uh, lately for uh, one on Nick, uh, Nicktoons, correct? Ah, yes, my favorite show, Wild Grinders on Nicktoons. I would love for that to get a second season. I don't know if it will or not. Um, I'm excited. to. I'm just waiting in anticipation. It hasn't been canceled. That's a good sign. <laughs> As long as they keep airing the current season one episodes, that um, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that it gets a second season just because I love it so much. It's so much fun. I, I can't even 
I love watching the show and I don't know how tainted I am <coughs> at, at, because recording it was so much fun that I maybe when I'm watching it, I'm also feeling what it was like when we recorded. But I, I really reminds me of cartoons when I was younger that were just really cartoon cartoony and funny and wacky without being a lot of the cartoon cartoons that I see now are so amped up and hyper I can't it's too much for me they're a little too intense mm -hmm. and this one's got a nice balance where it's got the wackety whack and it's also got some normal flavor in it as well I really it just oh I love it it's my Saturday morning cartoon well that's good now is there a place where for anyone who doesn't have Nicktoons as part of their cable package <laughs> where they can go online and see it you can they have uploaded every single episode on nicktoons.com. You can watch it for free on nicktoons.com. I love that. I think that's brilliant. I think that's the way that every channel should go. You should be able to see the content online. I love it. So, nicktoons.com, go to the Wild Grinders section and you can watch the episodes. And if you don't want to do that, you can do what I do, which is I bought the whole season 1 for like 15 bucks on iTunes. So, I can I can watch it on my iPad on any device that I have through iTunes, which I love. Excellent. Well, that's that's uh, plenty of plugging for Nickelodeon, I guess. It is. You our, know, our check's in the mail. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll be seeing that uh, within the next couple of days of this being posted. <laughs> Funny. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. One, two... With with our interviews, we tend to try and, and get to know the person that we're interviewing a little bit. So okay. uh, just to kind of start off, what was it that drew you to acting? You know what? I didn't even know. I, I think when I, I was a little girl, it never even occurred to me that it was acting. Um, I, I have the type of personality, if you meet me, I'm a very animated person. So... When I was a little girl, I used to see something on TV and then I would just act it out naturally. It was just what I would do. I would I would reenact all of the characters to the best of my ability. I remember forcing the lady down the street who was 96 years old, Mrs. Proudfoot. She would be awesome and let me into her house and I would act out whatever it was that I was obsessed with that week. If it was the entire Peter Pan movie, it was that. If it was Wizard of Oz, she just sat and watched me do them all for her. And that was all under the age of five that I was doing that. So I think it was just a natural thing that I would be an actor. And I don't know how that works. You know, like it feels like I was, I came into this life already having made that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, that's, that seems to be a common theme with a lot of the people that I've done interviews in the past where they just say, well, you know, I've always done it. You know, they they were always energetic kids that, you know, either put on plays or, uh, you know, just, like you said, you know, just kind of acted out wherever it was that yeah. they were into at the time. So it makes sense. Yeah. And it, it got to the extreme where I would write my own stuff and force everybody in the neighborhood to be in it as well against their will. You know, I was very, even my sister, my sister got it the worst. If, if I needed an outlet, I mean, I remember when VCRs were first invented, we had like this, it, it came in two huge um, metallic boxes, one VCR. It wasn't just a single box. It was two. Right. And I could also use one of the boxes and hook it up to a camcorder and use it as a video camera. So 
that offered me hours and hours and hours of entertainment. I think we got that when I was 11. That's when it was kind of invented. My dad was always the first one to get the new technology. So we had it before everybody else. And I was videotaping myself doing anything and everything and forcing my sister to be in it. And oh, I, I feel sorry. But she's actually really talented. And I wish she would be an actor because she's hilarious. I think I trained her well. <laughs> yeah that's that's an interesting thing that uh you know a lot of younger people probably don't realize is that you know i grew up in in the 80s so i remember you know things like you know if you wanted to record something if you wanted to do a podcast in the 80s you talked into like a tape recorder and recorded you did. it um and, totally and, but with computers and the internet it's it's so easy you know all you need is a laptop to uh you know, record yourself doing something, you know, with a webcam and microphones yeah, built I, in. I, I love that accessibility, and I think it's cool because that means more people can be creative. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> um, the only thing that I, I think it's harder, I the blessing of not having it was that it kind of fueled the flame of wanting to do more. You know what I mean? It's that necessity is the mother of invention. Because I didn't have anything like that, I had to create it myself in my own brain and I had to do all sorts of crazy things. Um, so I'm curious for this new generation of amazing creative souls that I'm seeing, I'm curious what it is that is their necessity. You know, what is it that creates where are they going to go with their imagination and what are they creating out of I don't know what it is they're lacking because all I see is so much more stuff than I ever had so I'm so removed from that I, I'm I'm amazed that um that people can do so much does that make sense oh absolutely um you know just even even this podcast you know it's, it's being done you know from a desktop you know, so with cool. with very little cost sunk into it, you know, as far as software or anything like that goes. So. Right. And it was easy, you know, to get in touch with each other and to communicate very easily without a lot of drama having to go through, you know, you don't have to go through 12 people to get to me. It was, it, it, things are so much easier now, so much easier now. Right. But the, the plus side of that is that, you know, your fans have more access to you and that I guess that's also the downside to it depending no, on your perspective. No, I don't I don't believe that at all. I don't understand. I mean, I know some people in the in in you know, at the acting profession that don't understand fans. They don't understand what that is. Um for me, I don't even I mean, to me it's not really fans so much as a, a mutual admiration society. You know, there's people that like the projects that I work on. It's not – I never really feel like it's about me because I don't think that – at least for me when I was a kid, I was I was never really interested in the actor. I was interested in the characters that the actor played. You know what I mean? I was in right. love with those characters. The actor was just the vehicle for those characters. So I, I don't feel like it's a bunch of fans trying to get a hold of me. I feel like it's a, a bunch of uh, fans of these projects interested in having conversations with the person who is the vehicle for some of their the characters that they really like and that I think is really awesome and cool and I really enjoy that because I think it helps me fuel my creativity to be able to find out what it is that they like what it is that they resonate with it helps me stay more honest in my performances like I don't get a sticky or, or I don't I don't stick to um, kind of like old hat habits 
because I'm interacting with people who call me on it if I do it. You know what I mean? They're like, God, right. that was kind of sucky. What were, what was wrong with you that day? And chances are, if, if you can hear it, then chances are you're picking up something that happened while I was recording that day. It's amazing <laughs> how um, in tune fans are now. And, and even the word fans feels weird. You know, there's just other humans, creative souls that are really, really interested in in this particular area. I, I just love that. I, I'm just so grateful that they are interested. You know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that there are people that I can share it with. Because seriously, I can't really talk about any of this stuff with my family. They don't care. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. So what are you coming home for dinner? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, and I, I'm a little bit of a fangirl. I, I, I can fangirl over the projects that I'm on, which is why I think I put myself out there on social media because I'm, I'm, I really love fan art and I love, I love just geeking out over really cool things that I, I enjoy. So meeting with people who are like that definitely, I don't know, there's a camaraderie to it. There's a lot of love to it. I really appreciate that. I have to imagine that uh, that's really an, an interesting experience, especially for uh, a character like Chie, who uh, you know, already had something of a following right? you know, going into the projects and everything. She has been the most interesting experience I've ever had because I've never come in on a character that was already huge. You know what I mean? Right. Like, who gets called in? I, I mean... That, that's a fascinating experience. So I came into it with a – I loved Atlas. First of all, Atlas, the um, the production company that d does the games, they were so cool when they brought me in. You know, They really set it up like, look, we don't expect you to do what the other actress did, so do your take on it. Um, we want whatever you bring to it. And they gave me so much freedom. They gave me a lot of backstory, of course. They gave me the characters, who she was. But then they let me do my own interpretation, which really for me kind of opened things up so that I could, you know, get into her without feeling guilty. You know, right off the right off the bat, I had no guilt. I felt okay, I felt comfortable taking over this role. I felt comfortable in the in the entire project. That there were everybody was so supportive and really, really great about it. And um, I even felt comfortable with Tracy and and everything was pretty cool on the up and up. And I, I really – and I also appreciated that I was allowed to talk about it. It would have been so much worse if I couldn't prepare fans of Persona 4 that I was stepping into this role and people just got their games and it was like, who is that? That would have sucked. I had months of preparation with people to let them know, hey – I have taken on this role. And not only did I take on this role, I lived her for the last year, you know, like she is she was so easy to fall in love with. She is such an amazing character and the character development that the Atlas team did with her it was so cool. Like it's so rare that they let in animation, anime, in any sort of animated project it's rare that they let you if a character is kind of like a tomboy character it's rare that they let that character get soft and girly that doesn't happen but in real life that does happen somebody who's a tomboy will have soft girly moments you know because we're much more dimension multi-dimensional than as human beings <laughs> than just one character trait right. and 
that's what I love about that P4 entire series. They really kind of like explore different avenues. Like if if the player makes this choice, what happens when with these characters? How would this character react? It was so, uh, it caught me off guard. It really challenged me and I really loved it because it really made me had to be, have to become her even more to be like, how would she really react? How would she really feel? It was really cool. I feel like a lot of myself is in Chie. I, I identified. I mean, it was just good casting. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they called me in. I didn't audition. They called me in for the role because they knew who I was. And I think it matched who Chie was. And they were like, oh, that just makes sense. Right. I, I think, uh, just kind of going back on, on what you said a little bit, um, it's very interesting because the Persona games have a very strong element of psychology to them as, yeah. as i'm sure as i'm sure you're now aware Absolutely. Uh, so it it really does I, I would imagine from the acting side require that you really do have a very strong feel for that character at that particular point in time because you know you literally go into their minds uh you know in, in the original persona 4 and, and to some degree in, in arena right 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 it's a it, it, dude. This was such a deep game, <laughs> so deep. I, I I dug every moment of it. I love because I I'm really interested in things. I mean, to get to know me, I'm really interested in things like soul travel and dreams and past lives. I love that kind of stuff. So Persona Four was just like entering into the TV is entering into one of the other planes. You know, it's 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 exploring other worlds and ex- and getting to see. The different parts of yourself. I loved, you know, when the, when the character when the um, before she even like back in the early part of the story before she even discovered her persona, being you know challenged to face all the different aspects of herself, negative, and and all those all those voices that we all have in our heads. You know, like for me, that's different body. That's the emotional body, the mental body. I, I'm I'm totally into all of that kind of stuff. So it was juicy game as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's again, I, I guess that goes back to what you said about good casting because that that just seems so in line with with what Persona Four is, right? And I don't know if they knew that about me. But I, <laughs> I know they thought I was. Ins- I have to say, I can't tell you how much. I what I loved about um, the uh, the studio that they recorded the games at PCB is I love their setup. The way that their studio is set up is the actor has this incredible range of motion. I don't ha- like some studios. If I move even an inch from the mic, it changes the entire sound of the character and it becomes this really challenging thing where I'm paying way too much attention about how close I am to the mic as opposed to losing myself in the character. But this studio, I never have to think about that. They have the way their equipment is, the way, or maybe it's their engineers, but the way it is set up, I have complete freedom to get right into Chie's body. And I was doing crazy things. I got to do, I, I was doing my kung fu moves. I was doing, I could move around. I could run around in circles before I did a line because I had that kind of space. It was so much fun. It just, I got so deep into her. It was so silly. And I found Chie to be hilarious. Hilarious. There were times where even we get into the really, really serious scenes and 
because of the Chie spirit, like the, I'd have to do a take first where it was a ridiculous, like she, it was just a really funny take of a very serious line just because she just had this buoyancy to her where I just would have to get this one version out first and then we could go to the serious part because <laughs> she just cracks me up. I just, I really love her. Uh, just, uh, not to brown nose or anything, but I was playing through uh, Persona 4 Arena's uh, story mode. I uh, picked Chie first, and Woo-hoo! that was that was kind of the thing I was looking for in your performance versus um, Tracy, the original the original actress. Because when I played through uh, Persona 4 back in the day when when it came out on PS2, uh, you're old school. John. I I am very old school, but uh, nice. that's that's another that's another story for another day. Um, Sort of the defining quality for Chie for me was that she just made me laugh at so many different points in time in the game, and it was a very I, I found her to be very yeah. endearing over uh, many other mem- uh, members of the cast, just because you know she she did make me laugh in a way that a lot of characters in entertainment weren't able to do. So I was kind of looking for that in the story mode, and I forget what it was, but there was a. Uh, I think it was when she was fighting Teddy, and uh, <laughs> he, he and the uh, the Teddy who's under you know control of the the big bad guy uh, says something about oh you're just here to to eat my uh, sweet bear meat, <laughs> and then she she's like no I don't want to do that wait it's sweet and, you know you know because she's <laughs> she's hungry and and it just made me laugh I was like yeah she she gets it. So I was, I was very pleased with that. You know what, John? You just made my day. You made my day. Because if I can, if, because she made me laugh a lot. She just, her love of meat, her love of kung fu. <laughs> it just, it, I could just feel it coming up. I, I think if I met her in real life, I would be cracking up all the time. I think I would love to hang out with her. So that really means a lot to me that it, even if you're the only person <laughs> that laughed out loud, that's amazing to me. That makes me feel great because that's, that's what I was hoping for with her. You know, that's really, because that's how I felt about her. So if other people feel that way about her, then I did my job. Then I totally did my job. And again, I, I'm not saying that to try and get up to you or anything like that. But, uh, you know, that that was very much the defining quality for that character. So I was, I was very the- pleased to see that you, you managed to carry that out. Well, thanks a lot for saying that. That means a lot. Oh, no problem. Um, kind of moving along because I, I would literally talk uh, Persona for, forever if given proper opportunity. You know, I think this is a funny uh, trivia thing for Persona 4. I thought it was funny. The first day I was recording Chie and we were doing a whole bunch of the steak, steak, steak stuff and her meat obsession. Uh-huh. I thought it was funny that I was playing Chie when Tara, Tara Platt, she actually is like Chie when it comes to meat, steak. <laughs> she in real life, she doesn't eat it all the time. But when she eats, she stay. I have to have a stay. I have to have a hamburger. <laughs> I have to have meat. That makes me laugh. I kept thinking of Tara when I would do that. She was my inspiration for Chie steak moments. That's, you know, I, I just know, um, I met her and Yuri at MTAC last year. And, and that's just that, I don't know, for some reason that just, is, right? is not a quality that, that strikes me think, about her. but And that's why it makes it so cute, because it's like Chie. You wouldn't expect that when you look <laughs> at her. And then this tiny little girl, and then she's all about, every once in a while, I gotta steak, <laughs> eat. That's funny to me. That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Now we can move on. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Sorry. Now, you uh, originally are from Canada, correct? I am. And, and you started uh, started off there in Canada with your career, and then yeah. eventually moved uh, to the United States. Now, I know there's at least a, a couple of, of recording opportunities. I know BioWare is located in Canada, and I don't know if they still do, but I think Viz used to have a recording studio in Vancouver, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, but what was sort of the the ultimate incentive to to make that switch and go oh, it out to LA? It, oh, honey, I wish it was as deep as that. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I could tell. Okay, this is a special story for your interview. I have not told this story to anyone. Oh, thank well, you. Actually, I haven't actually told this story to anyone except for my very, very close friends and <coughs> my partners. Um, I never expected to move to Los Angeles. I was never planning on moving to Los Angeles. Um, if if you're not from Canada, you may not be aware, but Canada frowns upon America tremendously. <laughs> I can't it, say I blame them either. Well, I, I, I disagree now, but at the time I was pretty brainwashed, like most Canadians, that America bad. And so I never thought to move. in LA of all places, I mean, the opinion of what LA is like from a million Canadians who have never been there is quite um, horrific. So no, I didn't. I didn't want to move to LA at all. I had quite a prejudice <laughs> against LA, actually. And um, it was a very interesting. The universe had to prepare me for the move, right? It was obviously where I was meant to be, but at the time I was so far removed in my state of consciousness to be open to it. It was going to take some work. So. The universe went about it in an incredibly dramatic way. Um, I was working on Sabrina, the animated series in Canada, and the director for that, amazing guy, um, he was so cool and hip and, and fun. He, he, he told us, because half the cast recorded in Canada and the rest of the cast recorded from Los Angeles, and he himself was from Los Angeles. And he said that what for one of our episodes... Um, Weird Al Yankovic was going to guest star. And I had been a ridiculous Weird Al Yankovic fan since I was, God, since I was seven. You know, I knew every single one of his songs. I had every one of his albums. I was totally a fangirl. And um, and I expressed this in one of the sessions. I totally freaked out and fangirled and was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And one day the director came in and he brought me um, an autographed headshot from Weird Al. He had gotten me. Weird Al's autograph. Oh, wow. That was so above and beyond. I was very, very excited about that. And then one day I was teaching, um, I taught improv and theater sports at a local community center near me in Vancouver. And I was on my way to one of those classes and, and my cell phone rings, my cell phone being relatively new since it was 1999. And, uh, and, I, I answer it, and it's Weird Al Yankovic on my phone talking to me. And I I remember at the time not believing it and going, this is some, this is a joke. Somebody's playing a mean joke on me. <laughs> this isn't funny. I don't think this is funny. And he kept talking. He's like, no, this is, this is Al. And he had a conversation. I hear you're a big fan, la, la, la. And I fangirled. I couldn't believe it. It, it was amazing. And we just had we just started having phone conversations, 
I'm like, I'm having phone conversations with Weird Al Yankovic. How weird. And he's a really lovely person. Really, really lovely. And it was, I had just finished um, a really long relationship and I had all this time and I was working a lot and all this money and I just wanted to get away. And so one of the conversations I just randomly said, hey, you know, I should come and take a visit to LA. We should hang out. That would be really fun. And, um, and you know, you know, when you're recovering from a relationship, you know, I had been going through, I'd been trying to pick myself up through it, like the depression of, of the situation. Right. It was, a, it had been a long-term relationship and I, and I'm talking to the funniest man on earth, right? So right. how could I be sad? And he, um, one day he just called me and said, Hey, you know what? I happen to have an extra ticket to go to the, 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 fir- the, uh, the one of the screenings, the first screenings ever of the Phantom Menace, which was a huge deal because back then for the Star Wars fans from the, you know, the seventies and eighties, like I was, we didn't know what the Phantom Menace was going to be. Yeah, we, we didn't know what we were getting into. It was epic, right? It was beyond epic. And Weird Al Yankovic invited me to go see the Phantom Menace with him in Los Angeles. And I couldn't have made that up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I can't even, I'm telling you this right now, and I still can't, I forget that that really happened because it doesn't feel like that was real. It couldn't have possibly been real. It's so absurd and it, it's a miracle, right? Like it's it's kind of bigger than a miracle. I don't even know where to put that. My favorite movie of all time and my favorite comedy dude of all time and what? How is this even happening? So... I went. I went to L.A. and he was really busy working on his new album. So I got to spend time by myself in L.A. You know, he he dropped me off at Venice Beach one day, and I hung out at Venice Beach, and I got to know Venice, and that was really cool. And and then he took me to this fancy um, opening, and when I saw every celebrity that you could possibly see. So I don't. I think a lot of people that are brought up in small towns or in different countries, you know, we get starstruck really easily. We get it's it's celebrities at least for in the eighties and the nineties. They were so far removed. There wasn't social media to connect with them, so they were so you know they were kind of put on little pedestals. And I'm seeing you know who did I? I saw Danny DeVito, Dustin Hoffman, Samuel Jackson. I'm seeing all of these major stars all around me and one by one the illusion that I have about what a celebrity is started crumbling it started with meeting Weird Al in person and then I was like oh you're a regular human being oh I didn't know that that was possible and he was so kind and so lovely and the more I kept meeting these people I realized oh they're just actors like me they're just they're unemployed sometimes and they're just like me and that was a really huge shift in my state of consciousness I never I just didn't look at it that way before I really just really separated myself from people who who did what I did at that level but I never imagined myself at that level that just didn't even seem like it wasn't even in the dancing area of my brain, right? So I, I went home from that experience, still not planning on going to LA at all, but just kind of like shocked from that experience. And it took a few months for that experience to kind of sink in because it was so intense. 
And I met a new, I had met a new guy and our relationship was going really, really well. And maybe that was in 98. Maybe that the Weird Al thing happened in 98. Yeah, maybe. I'm not really sure of the time. It was 98 or 99. But eventually, after a year of being with the new boy, um, he decided he wanted to move to L.A. because his family lived in L.A. And, and they were from the Philippines originally. And they all of his family was moving to Los Angeles at the same time. And he wanted to join them. And he invited me to move with him. And I didn't want to. I said no. I said, nope, you're going to L.A. on your own. See you later, buddy. And he went for a few months and was down there. And I think I visited him once. And he was trying to talk me into staying. And I still wasn't going to go. And then finally, you know, he, he talked me into it. He talked me into going. The The thing for me, though, was I wasn't going as an actor because I refused. My ego wouldn't allow me to go as an actor because I was terrified of failing as an actor in LA. I can't tell you how many actors from Vancouver move to LA and then end up coming right back to Vancouver. I didn't want to be one of those people. So I thought, well, if I don't act at all, <laughs> there's nothing to fail. I can't hit failure. But I, I moved down. I gave up acting. I had, you know, left Ed, Ed and Eddie because they couldn't keep me on the staff while I was in LA because of union rules and stuff like that. And I became a normal human being, kind of like, you know, Superman without, if he went home <laughs> to right. planet Krypton, there I was, just a regular Joe, you know, doing, I did um, elderly care, some catering, I did all sorts of crazy jobs, uh, because I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to get back into acting, not in Los Angeles, I felt very uncomfortable with the idea, I, I didn't even like being, calling myself an actor, because it just felt so, I don't know, in Canada, we'd say L.A. <laughs> it felt so L.A. Oh, you're so L.A. And that was a big insult. You're <laughs> so, all Hollywood. Right. That's always a big insult. So um, a few years passed and then, uh, you know, Ed, Ed and Eddie asked me to come back and, and, ha and flew me up to finish the shows. And so that was kind of like I got back into some voice acting because of Ed, Ed and Eddie. And um, but but on my around my birthday one year. I think th my third year in of living here, um, a job came my way from America. Somebody wanted me for a job, had gone through my agent in Canada to hunt me down, and that job was Spawn Armageddon, the video game, and it got me um, my work visa in America, and the rest is history. And then I, you know, got back into voice acting. That's that's a pretty. I would say unconventional uh, path because you know you you were working on on a uh, on a very successful show uh, at Ed and Eddie's. Uh, I was working a lot in Vancouver. I had a very lucrative career that I walked away from. I was making bank, and and then you walked away and said no, and then you came back and said, eh, why not? Yeah, it's a kind of amazing story. And so when people say, "How can I?" You have your career. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think Weird Al has to call you. I, what do I know? How do I know? I mean, that that was like such an amazing, how do I, I can't explain that. And it was so amazing because those pieces had to be in place first just to have me open up to the possibility, right? Like it's just amazing how perfect life unfolds so that you never 
you never get more than you can handle in any given instance. But if you want more than you can handle, then you need to stretch yourself to be able to handle more. So you've got to be open to crazy experiences coming in that help you change your perspective on things because maybe you have an attitude you don't even know about that needs to be deleted before you can get to that level of success that you're looking for. And I had a lot of attitudes to delete, not just to LA, but when I got here, I had attitudes about myself, about acting. I had, I mean, that those three years was really about deleting all sorts of unsupportive attitudes. And I think a lot of people have that experience when they first move to L.A., that it's really hard at first. The first couple of years, it's like a, a deprogramming because everything you thought L.A. would be, it's not. It's just a normal city, just like any other city. And whatever your attitude is, is what you create in this city because it's a creative city. So the more you get rid of unsupportive attitudes, the more the city supports you. It's an amazing, at least that's my science experiment. That's that's really a, an amazing story. I appreciate you sharing that with us because it's, it's it's very human. It's it's very I I don't want to say natural because it's it's right. But, 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 it, but it that's is. what the weird part is. It was natural. That's what why it was so weird. It happened so naturally, and I think enough time. I mean, I guess it's it's over. 12, 13 years now because I didn't talk about it for years because I, I always felt that it would be like boasting or bragging or whatever. But even just bringing it up now, the first time I've ever talked about it in a public – and really, I, I barely – I don't – most of my friends don't even know this story. You know, this feels really natural to do it right now. So how interesting. Right. That's that's just the way life goes, I suppose. You, know, you just never think- really, really know how it's going to turn out. Right, but if you just show up, then amazing things can happen. True enough, true enough. You can you can be interviewed on the illustrious Jane Selva Faye podcast. I think the, the real lesson behind it is definitely share your love of things with others because you just never know. Exactly. You never know. If I hadn't said anything and fangirled, who knows what would have happened. I'd still be in Canada. Well, that, that brings me to an interesting question. Um Ooh. Obviously, <laughs> Weird Al has, has had a, a huge influence on, on your life and career, but who are some other people that, that influenced you? Uh, Kids in a- the Hall. Oh, my God. I loved Kids in the Hall. I loved watching Tracy Ullman. She was amazing with her character work. <laughs> um, why am I blanking? Uh, Carol Burnett. Huge influence. Oh, I loved watching Carol Burnett. I loved female <laughs> comedians. Um, that was my dog. <laughs> I love female comedians. They just they they Bernadette Peters. She was amazing. Her tiny little voice and comedians in general. I really liked you know I liked sketch comedy a lot. Anything that was comedy and and charactery, I loved. It's definitely that that's definitely where what influenced me the most. And I think that's because of my dad. Like being brought up with my father, my father could always do voices and accents. And he was a huge fan of Peter Sellers. So we used to watch Peter Sellers work all the time. And he was amazing. And and my dad liked comedy like Benny Hill and a show called Bizarre. And like really we always we were always watching comedies with crazy characters. I I just love that kind of stuff. And I still love that kind of stuff probably to the annoyance of people around me because I, I, 
everybody tries to get me into drama series and really awesome drama. I, I'm very rarely watched drama <laughs> series because I'm like, man, I'd rather laugh. Thanks. <laughs> well, kind of getting away from, from acting for a minute, what are some of the things that you like to do when you're not working? Any hobbies or anything like that? I actually spend a tremendous amount of time at my spiritual center. I'm an Ekist. I follow a religion called Ekankar that focuses on soul travel, dreams, and past lives and that kind of stuff. Um, and you don't have to go to – I mean I don't have to be at the center or anything because it's kind of a personal path. But I really enjoy giving service and there's a lot of kids at my center and I, I spend a lot of time there. Most of my free time is is giving service to, to that center because that's where I, I receive the most joy and I'm able to give of myself and nobody knows what I do really. Nobody cares. It's just I get to be just, just Aaron and that's what it is. I really like that. Um, otherwise, I'm at home with my man and my dog, you know online as most people know because I'm always on social media somewhere or other I'm watching comedies I love going to the beach I love going to the beach I like movies you know and and when I have the time I love hanging out with my girls I have some girlfriends that are pretty spectacular and we don't see each other a lot because life is always busy giving us things to do but when we do it's amazing and I'm very grateful for them well, good. Uh, I, I always think it's important uh, to try and get to know people and, and the things that they do and the things that um, they gain the most benefit from because it's, it's always cool. interesting stories. Um, yeah, I, and it was funny because I was thinking – because I, I watch other actors and what they post on Twitter and stuff. But but on Friday, you know, for Saturday, Sunday, I'm always at the X Center. So I never – I forget that that's what I do every weekend. I forget that that's where I go if I'm – you know, and obviously I'm going to go to more con conventions and some of those weekends I'll be at conventions. But I'm so used to that being my life. I forget that that's the reason why I don't do more because <laughs> <laughs> I'm already somewhere else doing stuff. I forget. Isn't it funny? You just – your day-to-day -day life becomes so natural and normal that when you see what other people are doing and go, why don't I do that? Oh, yeah. I forgot. I do other stuff. <laughs> uh, there was something I was going to say and I completely forgot it. That's so unlike me. Um I had that problem earlier, remember? That's true. Um, goodness, what was it? The, I'm, I'm so professional and so prepared. It's okay. Um, I think it, you know what? I think it's because I don't have, um, I don't have kids and I, I don't plan on having kids. So I think that's why I, I reach out. I really enjoy, I like con going to conventions to meet kids. I like being at my, my spiritual center for the kids because that's how I choose to interact with children. That's how, and I really am quite good with kids. I have a natural thing there, so I think that that's why I do it. Well, thank you, Erin. You actually reminded me of exactly what was I was going to ask you. Um, you mentioned going to conventions. Are there any conventions that you have upcoming that you're going to be appearing at? Well, my very first out of California convention is going to be in the end of November in Ottawa, Canada. It's a convention, an anime convention called Naru to You. And I'm so excited because I consider Ottawa my hometown. I spent a lot of years there, particularly my teen years. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get to go back. My, my best friend lives there with his wife and family and I don't get to see them very often. So I was so 
floored that what a great initiation into convention going, getting to go to my hometown, you know, that's so cool. And then I have a few more cons uh, booked for next year already, so that's exciting. But I'm definitely open to to going to a lot more conventions. That's something I'm, I feel, um, I feel is a part of my purpose. Uh, I know that may sound really cheesy, and I don't know why it is. <laughs> I, like I don't know why that's part of my purpose, but I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be there, and perhaps it's for an experience for somebody else at some time. But I'm supposed to be going to conventions and and getting to meet people face to face as opposed to just online. Well, hopefully you can you can make some out this way, and uh, you know, it'll be great to to see some new faces around because uh, there are a lot of actors that have been doing this for years that right. uh, you know they they have you know there are three or four places that they they like to go, and you know we try we try and draw them out you know down here to uh, you know we're in. Uh, we're located in Tennessee, so we try and get them out to you know MTAC or Anime Week in Atlanta, things like that. So. Well, I don't really know how to get to other cons. I think the, everyone says that you that I need to be requested so that right. they they look for me and invite me. So then my my request to anyone listening is if you have a local convention that you go to and you'd be interested in having me come, let them know. My website is Aaron Fitz vo.com and I have a whole page on contact information and I am so open to coming to a convention near you I would love it I'd love to meet you in person I think that would be really fun well excellent um, really quickly uh, any other social media uh, places that you want to plug besides your website oh uh, yeah yeah I have a Twitter if you tweet Aaron, at Aaron Fitzgerald if you know how to spell that, you're good. If you don't, well, I can't help you. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're if you're listening to the podcast, you're you know her name's going to be spelled out oh. in the title, so you okay. can you can work off of that if you're. And I, I I also have a fan page on Facebook. It's you know Facebook.com/slash Aaron Fitz fan page. I have a DA account. For, I have a Deviant Art account. If you do fan art of any of my characters, I definitely want to see them because I like to post fan art on my Facebook fan page, but I, I definitely troll DA to get that fan art. So my I think my account is under Piranha May. And I have a Tumblr as well. I don't know. I mean I, I'm trying I'm trying out all sorts of things. I have a Pinterest, you know, you can find me. I'm sure you can find <laughs> me. Whatever social media thing is your thing, I probably have an account. <laughs> and, and I'll make sure to put uh, the links to Twitter and Facebook and, oh, and your website uh, up, on, up yeah. on our site so people can find cool. those a little bit more easily. But, you know, sometimes they don't go to the site. They go to iTunes or. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah. So uh, that way, you know, if if you're listening and you never go to ChainsellBuffet.com, this might be a good time to head on over there and, and check out the links that we're going to put out there. My dog agrees. <laughs> yes. Well, Aaron, uh, I think we have kept you uh, more than long enough. You've been very generous with your time. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before uh, we let you go, though? Yeah, I just want to say thank you, guys. Thank you for anybody who tuned into this. Thank And thank you, John, for asking to do this. I really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate the support. It, it Especially when things start to slow down, it's nice to know that people um, uh, like the work that I'm doing and, and you know are interested to hear more. That's, it helps me you know, 
stay creative when I'm auditioning and keep my chin up and, you know, all that stuff. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you're uh, more than welcome. It's it's always a pleasure to uh, to do these interviews. I've never done one that I uh, said, oh, man, I wish I hadn't, hadn't done that. So <laughs> uh, I, I really do appreciate the time, and uh, it's been, been fun. Very cool, John. Thank you so much. Anytime, Aaron. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time.